Welcome everyone to the NPCs podcast. In this week's episode, we take a step back into the world of handhelds. A lot has changed in the handheld space since we last talked about them, including the launch of the ever popular Steam Deck and some attempted competition in the space of both mobile and cloud from the likes of Logitech and Backbone. Plus, who can forget the fans of retro gaming, especially as not one, not two, but several handsets have dropped this year to fill the need for retro play on the go. How is the space looking now, and what does handheld juggernaut Nintendo have in store to keep its hold on the top of the handheld gaming mountain? Let's talk about that this week. My name is Travis, and as always, I am joined by the ever-talented, the ever-loving, the ever-wanting-to-play mobile games, especially handheld games, given that he was a lucky bastard to get a Steam Deck. It's Kyle. (laughs) What's up? What's up? Dude, all right, so let's get into it. Uh, just right off the bat, okay, and already said that there in the intro. You have a Steam Deck. The Probably by far, I think that's where we need to start out here with the discussion, mm-hmm. because the, the intro says it all, that the handheld market has really changed this year. The handheld market has evolved, so to speak, especially given that we have a new contender, a new, like, number one contender in the handheld market. The Steam Deck now not even being one that you have to wait to get it's actually now being manufactured at such a good pace you only have a couple weeks instead of months or even half a year to wait for one so let's kick off with this juggernaut here what what do you think of your steam deck so far well for starters um one of the things that's so great about the steam deck is it bridges that gap between the uh pocket pc that was so unaffordable for for most people you know with the uh, early models of like the gpd um you know coming in at like three four thousand dollars and you were spending as much as a laptop all of a sudden and you might as well be carrying just around a laptop um and all of a sudden now you know even on the expensive side of steam decks like what 650 bucks so yeah that quite a bit difference and i mean when you compare it to something like the switch where yeah it it's a handheld as well and you know i i can also if i if i were to buy a dock i can also dock my my steam deck um but the steam deck is more than twice as powerful than the switch and it's only double the price and not only that, I have access to far more f- uh, free free games than than I do on the uh, Switch. So, I mean, that's another consideration. Um, I I don't know. There, there's a lot of good arguments to be had about having a Steam Deck when you know it's becoming more and more affordable, and even on the lower end, where you can still expand it with uh, a memory card, it's about the same price as a Switch all of a sudden. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's a very excellent point. Um, you know, the Switch, like, well, well, let me focus back here on the Steam Deck, especially because the Steam Deck, like you said, is that is that bridge between the PC space and the handheld space that mm-hmm. you can take it with you on the go. It is running all, like, PC-based hardware. Effectively, you can take that thing apart, and given the repair manuals and such that have put out there, like, uh, that are out there from Valve and the parts you can get from iFixit. You could build one yourself to make it look any way you wanted. Hell, you could probably build oh, yeah. a case to make it an actual desktop PC if you so choose, plus the versatility of expanding on it. But one of the interesting things you brought up, though, is that price point difference and the capability between it and something like the INEO or the GPD Win or the One X, that it's still a PC in all rights, but it also meets that capability by being... cheaper than these other options. Mm -hmm. Uh, Granted, compared to something like the GPD Win, for example, where you can get an AMD build or an Intel build, you're stuck with AMD on the Steam Deck side. It feels like somehow Valve was able to figure out how to take the best of what those companies did on their handsets or on their handheld units and make it the way that they wanted to without I guess, becoming a burden on that core gaming experience. Sure, you've got like so many other buttons on the back of that handset, anyway, on the back of the Steam Deck. But right. but even so, you feel comfortable playing it. You don't feel like you have to use those back buttons for any reason. You don't feel like you have to map anything to it. You feel comfortable sitting there playing on it for an extended period of time without much worry, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and and the best part is I'm I'm not just going out and and buying, you know, game cartridges to put on it that, you know, are are games that I I play basically once through and I'm done with or you know, I might revisit uh like Splatoon for instance, you know, I I revisit that one. But for the most part a lot of my Switch games, I'm done with them once I'm I'm done with them. They they're not really in my library, but all of a sudden I have access to a large chunk of my my Steam library that's already compatible with with the device. Um a huge chunk uh that they they say is um almost compatible or they're working on compatibility, but really and truly it's 100% compatible. And then there there's even a handful of games that they say are entirely not compatible that all of a sudden I turn on a uh proton mode which is basically kind of their compatibility mode and they're compatible as well so it it really opens you up from like a whole vast majority of like your classic library to even quite a few of the new games that are coming out on modern consoles that granted you are playing them at potentially lower resolution or you know a slightly lower frame rate but you're playing the exact same game that someone's playing day one, you know, on their PS5, on their uh, Series X, um, but you're playing it on a handheld that you can, you know, take from home and take it to work, take it wherever. Granted, the battery life's not the greatest, but you can still, you can tailor that a little bit even still, um, tone down your graphics, put, you know, different performance modes on. So there's a lot of versatility with the unit in, in the long run. There is. I think that there is especially I've been making this joke to my management uh, chain uh, where I work that we should invest in Steam Decks as our main computers for all of the the team members instead because (laughs) of the cost. Like I actually wrote out the cost of like what it would be for each of us to get a, a top level Steam Deck, get a dock. Um, using our monitors that we already have, though, too, like, you know, all the necessary accessories. And it ends, it ends up being cheaper than one of the regular laptops that we have. Like, we have workstation-grade laptops, but it ends up being cheaper, though, and because because it's built on Linux, which is what we use more than we even we use Windows, it's one of those things that would be easily adaptable to our environment. So I see it at least on the other side when it comes to gaming. But of course, they kind of can see, you know, the behind the curtain part where it's like, oh, you guys are going to play, you know, some game there behind the scenes when in reality, you should be working on whatever it is you're doing. Now, <laughs> even even with that said, though, of course, though, too, I think where we see kind of where the price difference actually comes into play with something like the uh, Steam Deck versus like the the GPD Win Three or the INEO Next or the One X is the idea of upgradability and also the fact that you're not really like locked down to the ecosystem that the Steam Deck is. Like the Steam Deck works best when it's running Steam OS when you're running in their Linux environment that they created. They've already said you can go and install Windows on it, which is what the GPD Win, the IN Next, uh, or INEO Next, the the One X all come with right out of the box. Mm-hmm. And then you can go and flash to whatever, because in reality, those are built more like laptop computers or, or regular computers than the Steam Deck is. But that's where I wonder if maybe some of that cost comes into play is just the the some of the licensing that even comes into it with like say windows, but also more of the, well, you're getting a device that you can play games on, but it's more of just a mini computer versus the steam deck, which it's more emphasized on gaming, but you can use it as a computer too. That's where I wonder if maybe some of that cost difference comes down to it. And I, I think that that probably is a, a good chunk of it when, when you look at it in that perspective, because um, I mean, it, it does have, a very much tailored uh APU uh, on on the chip uh or the chipset um so that there is that and that i mean that's something like the the switch would have whereas you know i the, i think the ionian uh ionian next and the uh 1x and um the the GPD they they might have a uh integrated graphics but i i i think they're they they're actually running uh 
some sort of other system. And I could be wrong, but it, it doesn't operate like a uh, like a handheld like the uh, Switch would. It operates more like a laptop with the uh, the uh, graphics coming directly off the processor. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's going to be it. And the Steam Deck is the same way. Is that the Ryzen CPU that's in there? It's an it's a SOC. It's an all in one chip okay. across both of them. But it's also one of those things where, compared to like Aya, Neo, and uh, GPD, who are who are getting these SOCs from uh, AMD or Intel or whatever, right. they like. Valve directly worked with AMD to be able to make this chip work for what they needed to. So they were able to fine-tune it to their precise requirements versus these uh, these vendors are instead just taking the chips and making them all just work. See, I, I think that that's more or less what I was trying to say. I just confused myself trying to say <laughs> it. Yeah, like, that's okay. yeah. That's, that's okay. But I'm looking, like, for example, here at, like, the Ioneo Next right now on their... Uh, website on next.ioneo.com and mm. it looks like a switch you know with uh like joy cons that are directly just integrated into it i guess more like a switch light but it's got a ryzen processor in it it's got its own like game interface on here where you uh can easily browse through the games you have whether it be through any of the different types of launchers or storefronts steam ea um uh epic games any of that but then of course it has its own desktop mode though too where then you can go ahead and load up um your windows ui and and mess with it exactly as you would expect to for like a windows pc see and that almost makes me wonder if it um if it's operating some sort of like hardware level stuff to like almost like a tv would you know uh to to go from games to whatever like it, it it's forcing maybe partitions or if you if you partition things off in a certain spot i could be wrong uh but yeah it doesn't or maybe the games is just like direct access to like emulators and roms that would be connected to like a linux device or like an android device yeah and it doesn't seem like that's the case like with the ioneo here for example it seems like the ioneo is just a it's basically just a, a gaming pc handheld that has the ability to you know I guess, take this on the go. You know, they've created Mm. some sort of portable package to be able to put that all together. But just like you going and getting a, like, you know, gaming laptop from Best Buy or you order one on the internet, that you get it, you load it up, you log into Windows, you know, set up all that. Then you're just, you just go. Exactly. Imagine their launcher probably is like the the bloatware, maybe potentially, but of course they're trying to make it an easy to use experience now. Right. Even with all of that, though, you know, kind of starting off here with the Steam Deck, I think was, you know, the really good starting point. But I mean, it does kind of come into all these other ones anyway, though. I mean, like I've got a list here that I generated before we started talking. Like we had the INEO Next that came out this mm-hmm. year. They have a couple different models of it, though, too. Not even just the Next, but they got the Next Pro and the Next Advanced, which looks like it's just some minor tweaks here and there based on the uh, base clock and the boost clock. And, right. And some other... I think maybe onboard memory or yeah, a little bit of tweaks here and there, but yeah, there's that. And then even like with what the GPD win is released so far too. I mean, we can't, even though we've talked about them against the steam deck, I don't think we can necessarily discount them anyway, because uh, they are at least competitors in the space though now, and they are offering up a product and, that, you know, anybody can go get, even though it and is let's face expensive. it. I mean, they, they both, you know, are basically controllers with screens on them. They were meant for gaming, regardless of how you see it uh i granted they they were meant to be more of a computer than what i i guess the uh, steam deck is because the steam deck does run its own os uh, or its own shell over linux that that's basically like i want to say big picture mode of uh of that's exactly it and granted if you if you dock it to to the dock you can exit uh that mode and you can enter a uh, Linux uh, desktop, essentially. Yeah, and I, this is where it kind of comes up as an interesting thing, is that that's where it's like Linux was a choice for them because the Steam OS that they tried to release uh, for the Steam boxes, and uh, you can actually still go get that version of Steam OS from their developer site, though, too. 
um, mm-hmm. is that the reason why, of course, going for Linux is that behind the scenes, it's more it's more resource conscious than running Windows behind the scenes is because Windows has right. its own set of requirements to be able to run at minimum. Linux does as well too, but those minimums are much less than what Windows requires. So that's why it's built the way it is versus something like the INEO or a GPD win or anything. Well, those are windows have windows licenses built into them and usually ship with windows by default. And, and it's funny you say that because um, I, I've seen a lot of comparison videos uh, with, with games running on, on the GPDs and the one um, X and, and the INEO INEOs and uh, because of the fact that Windows is such a resource-heavy um, application, essentially, or operating system, some of the games, they just don't operate as well as they do on the Steam Deck. Um, and that's not to say, you know, it's not comparable hardware or anything. In fact, I think uh, the One X might actually have better hardware um, than than the Steam Deck, but it just doesn't necessarily run some of the games as well because of the fact that the resource management is done so well, even though that it does eat up a lot of battery life. But I mean, it it's, you know, sacrifice one thing for another um, on, on some of these devices. Uh, I mean, the uh, you look at the GPD line, it, it's come a long way since its very first start. Um, they, they've tried all sorts of different keyboards and touchpads and um to to be where they've landed now and uh the Ioneo I if I'm not mistaken completely f- for they they f- uh decided to forego the uh keyboard entirely uh for an on-screen keyboard. Yes, that's exactly it based on this. Again, imagine a imagine a switch light like one with a larger screen on it. Uh um, yeah. you know, and then definitely more hardware there underneath versus a switch light anyway. Uh Right, right. Yeah, they have foregone a lot of that stuff, though, too. But I also want to make clear about one other key thing, though, that versus the Steam Deck that these guys also have. And again, this kind of comes back to the way that the environments are built, is that with the Ioneo and the GPD Win and the One X, because they run Windows, they can access all of those other launchers and all of those other game platforms that you can't necessarily get on the Steam Deck. An example would be like Game Pass. There is no Linux equivalent for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, EA's storefront. There's no Steam equivalent, or there's no um, Linux equivalent for it. Um, uh, Battle.net. There is no Linux equivalent for it. Granted, all of the people who play games in there use Proton Layer, use uh, Wine to be able to get those games to run and get those games to function, but. In a Windows space, you don't have to worry about any of that. You can just boot up and go, and that's where these kind of have some of that net advantage. Now, we know that Valve is working on that dual boot capability or making it more seamless to be able to have, um, well, it really is still just dual boot anyway, regardless of the way I put it, right. but to have Windows and their Steam OS alongside each other so it's easy enough to flip between instead of the monotonous situation you're in at this point to be able to get either or onto the system. Uh but even so, like in the grand scheme of what's out there right now, at least as it relates to like, I guess I'll focus more like on PC style hardware. You've got at least, let's see, you've got the Steam Deck, you've got the INDO next, you've got uh, GPD Win 3, which came out a couple of years ago, but I believe there's a new mm-hmm. version that came out this year. I just, I can't think of the name uh, of it. On the verge um, of launching, I believe. Yeah, you've got the One X still that's very popular and I think also came out this year too. Um, you know, I mean, that's four right there alone that are very capable handsets, which means that there's at least a good market out there for you to make that choice. But ob- like obviously now that the hardware um, like or the, the hardware problems that Valve was having or at least re- acquiring the parts needed through their supply chain has been resolved, The only thing you come down to is the price difference and what you're actually looking to do with it. Are you looking to game? Are you looking for dual use? Are you looking for more focus on Mm -hmm. the the portability aspect as it relates to like the the productivity side of it? You know, maybe with gaming being the secondary part instead. That's where it kind of comes down to it. And you know, the Steam Deck kind of has it in that case because it it is like half the price of an A Neo next. It is half the price of a GPD win. 
it is half the price, I think, around, or even maybe like 30% cheaper than the One X. Um, and it meets more of those categories, but it definitely has a lot more emphasis, it feels like, on the gaming part than it does on the productivity, even though they market it for both. Well, and you've noticed I have completely avoided about talking about Logitech's system. Because, I mean, as a cloud-based co- console... Yes, that could that that's a really unique idea, and it it could work down the line. But as far as it goes, it is a very weak Android tablet in, um, in all when you consider it uh, as the 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 grand scheme of things. And honestly, it, it just it can play um Game Pass games, um, it it can play you know games through i believe it's logitech service which is very similar to um nvidia's service just not as good and then it has access to uh basically uh mobile applications it does that's that's the key part of it and i think that's a good transition point anyway though in this entire discussion is that we get out of like the pc space and we get into those games that or the those systems that kind of start to bridge the gap and a lot of these systems though you're right you know it's it really comes down to the fact that they're basically android handhelds is what they are well and that's what this is that's what this system is and it lies in a really weird spot because it's like a hundred dollars more than um the the baseline switch if not not the uh oled but just your your baseline switch i want to say it's like a hundred dollars more than that but it's only $50 less than a Steam Deck. So right now, the price for a Logitech G Cloud on uh, Amazon is $300. But it looks like that's actually on sale down from uh, $350. Oh, so, okay. so yeah. It... So it runs $350 for this thing out of the box. And it's a 1080p 7-inch touchscreen, which comes with a... UI built into it that lets you just fast launch cloud gaming, NVIDIA's GeForce Now, the Xbox app, uh, Steam Link, and then, of course, several other like apps that I guess you would want to use on a mobile device, you know, YouTube, maybe Chrome, for example, especially with it being Android, it's it's going to have right. those Google apps built in. But yeah, it's uh, the price for it definitely kind of makes it very interesting in that case, because it's not the only Android handheld to actually come out this year and I, I found it interesting at least mm-hmm. reading through because yeah we had the logitech g cloud and the reviewers have definitely put it as being underpowered but we had something called the an odin pro which is a um specifically an android device that appears to be about that one is actually more tailored towards roms if i'm not mistaken exactly ROMs and emulators exactly and that kind of ties into like part of the discussion in regards to like retro stuff though too but it's still mm-hmm. an android device though anyway which means that you can go install um xbox cloud streaming on it you can still go install nvidia geforce now you can still still go put steam link on it so i'm just making oh yeah kind of mention at least is like it's got that mixed bag there but yes you're right it definitely emphasizes more of the retro side of it and the same goes for a couple of these other ones here that i hadn't even seen before the rg351 mp uh you've got the uh no not that one there you've got the retroid pocket 2 you have the uh miu M-I-Y-O-O Mini. Um, yeah, and I've heard the, the MiU is, is actually not too bad, and the I, uh, Ian Odin uh, is, isn't too bad, uh, depending on what games you're playing. I, I, I want to say the MiU uh, really only goes up to, uh, I believe they can do some PlayStation games, uh, but... Y- you really don't want to go past that. So you're really relegated to like NES, Super NES, Sega Genesis, yeah, so on it, and so forth. True. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that that was well, just still one of those things to bring up because these are all Android devices and they're more targeted towards the 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 emulation and retro side of things, especially mm-hmm. because like you look at the designs of some of these things and how small they are. It's like, okay, well, for the emulation, they're gonna need more of that processing capability on them. But because they're running at their core Android, it means that they'll be able to go and download those other platforms, though, to still be able to play and take with on the go if they so choose. So 
Right. And even even outside of that, like I'll make another good example here is you have dedicated gaming phones though too. Like you've got the Asus ROG mm-hmm. uh, phone, you've got Lenovo that dropped one of their phones, a Legion phone. Um, I believe oh, wow. I've seen Huawei even put one out though too. Um, and then you've even got the ability to convert your phone into a gaming device. Like what is it? You've got Razer who's made a handheld attachment for the. Uh, for phones you've got backbone they've actually who, made a, yeah a couple now yeah backbone yeah. backbone uh, especially this year who released a playstation 5 themed um mm-hmm. handset which funny to say though is that their their bluetooth handset though for mobile devices got released and a lot of people had to call it out saying it's like you guys have some of the layout here weird especially like where analog sticks are at it's more like you took the xbox version that you were using originally and just slapped a coat of playstation paint across the top of it and changed out the face buttons and moved on you know there's a lot of talk about that but needless to say um we've also got playstation now kind of entering the the for the uh the uh, foreground though too given that there's been more investment in that cloud gaming space from sony Mm -hmm. as of late granted not at where like uh, Xbox's cloud streaming is, though, either. But even so, you look at the space in which you can play games now, especially on the go, and when it gets to the mobile stuff, does the Logitech G Cloud, even though it is definitely something that is going to introduce some competition, does it make sense with all of those other ones, especially because those other ones can be gotten cheaper? Or you can take something like your phone, for example, go spend $80, $90 on a Backbone or Razor's equivalent of it and go to town playing the games that you want that way, you know? Yeah, I I mean, I guess it really comes down to the person in all honesty. Like, I, I don't feel any need even... And and I'm I'm big on, I really am big on handhelds. I I have how many Game Boys? How how many Game Boy Colors? How many, you know, DSs at this point? And then now I've got the Steam Deck and two Switches, and I I don't even play most of them, but you know I I I love them to death. And at one point or another, I did play the heck out of them, and you know I do still pick them up. The the thing is. I, I have all those, and I, I would still love to pick up something like the Iron Odin um, or like the Miu, but something like the Logitech, it, it comes in this weird middle ground where I'm I'm not sure where it fits. Um, cloud gaming, for some of the aspects, isn't quite there. It doesn't have the performance to perform some of the PC games that I'd want to play with, like uh, the GeForce Now. Um, I just doesn't hit enough of the spots for me for for something that's that price point when I could just go buy a tablet or like an iPad and you know even a used one and and get a better experience out of you know potentially even just Xbox Xbox cloud gaming. Yeah, and I can attest to that. Like I had to go out on a trip to California at the beginning of October, and I took a. Uh, Xbox Bluetooth controller with me, or at least one that had Bluetooth capability, and mm-hmm. my iPad. And I went and played just some games in my hotel room because I had some time to kill. And it was just an easy enough thing just to throw that stuff in my bag. Sure, the the controller itself was bulky. It'd be nice to have something that's a little bit more like all-in-one, I suppose. But the idea that you've got so many of these devices already with you anyway, that if you have something, especially like the Logitech G Cloud, um, or I, I guess even some of these other ones that are Android-based, though, too, granted, I know, of course, with uh, I run iOS exclusively for my mobile devices, that I'm kind of left in the dust on some of these things anyway, and I get that. But even with some of these other things, though, it's like I could still access some games, though, that have a console quality to them. And go get something like the Backbone and take that with me instead. And you could do the same with your Android device, too, because I believe you're still Mm -hmm. using a Galaxy Note. Um, You could go and easily enough get one of those attachments and just be on your merry little way to play a game. And it takes up less space and takes less out of your wallet to go and be able to do it. So the G Cloud seems to be in such a weird spot that, you know, as a handheld, okay, cool, maybe it's something I'd get my kid, but... Maybe if the price came down 150 to 200 dollars, yeah. But I mean, in comparison, it's like you know, a lot of the kids that are going to be playing 
xCloud are going to be playing it on like a Samsung tablet. This is like giving your kid like the worst version of an, an Amazon Fire tablet to try and play games on and say, hey, go go play xCloud gaming on this. You know, it, it it's not going to function as well. No, I agree. That's that's definitely a big part of it is that you want that functionality to be there. It's just like, yeah, it's just like on Christmas, um, you know, like nowadays, especially, I think we've all learned that if you get somebody a, a, an electronic device for Christmas of some type that requires web access for whatever, you know, make sure you actually unbox it, get it set up and running and working before you, you know, give it to them. So that way everything is nice and done. Otherwise, you're going to sit there for all the updates. You're going to sit there for all the chaos and problems. And the G Cloud kind of puts it into that weird spot where it's like, do I really like, you know, I want to put some of that time in there to make sure the thing works right. But because it's all like primarily cloud focused, how bad is this going to hurt me then in the long run, though, too? You know, yeah, like, and then especially on the on, processing part for local play. Yeah, and I, I mean, on the, I've heard on the other hand though too. Um, if you wanted to try and put it into tablet mode, it's a nightmare. So it, yeah. it's almost not worth putting it into tablet mode ever, even though that they advertise it as being a feature, as being you know, oh, it can also be an Android tablet. They don't tell you you have to go through fifteen to twenty five different menus to actually be able to unlock that or even turn it on and then go through the majority of those menus again just to turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a very interesting device and, and more of like a weird device, I guess, so to speak, that kind of fills this gap that didn't need to be filled in the first place. But needless to say, even with all of that, what we're going to do now is go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back from that break, we're going to get into talking about more of the retro handheld space, because there has been quite a few developments in that in the in this year, as well as talk about where Nintendo sits on everything, too. So, yeah, we're going to take that quick break and we're going to give you a quick uh, sponsor here, sponsor spot for Anchor.fm. And we are back. All right, so in the last half of the episode here, we talked, of course, about the PC handheld gaming space. We talked about some of the the weird nuances in the cloud handheld gaming space, and really it just feels like between the both of us, we're probably saying just avoid the Logitech G Cloud unless you like are really stuck on being able to do anything or get anything. But outside of that, let's, let's talk about retro. And I know for you, Kyle, especially in the retro space, this is just one of those things this year that we've seen some very interesting developments in it. Now, granted, one of the devices on our list happens to be the Analog Pocket. Now, that actually released in December of last year, but is so popular, it is pushed out on back order until mid-next year. That it's just they couldn't fulfill orders fast enough, and they're still taking in orders like mad just to get these things out there. But uh, like the analog pocket, is that one even with all your handhelds that you mentioned there in the first half? Are you going to try to secure one like this? Um, I, eventually, I would love to, uh, just because of the versatility of the the unit. Uh, um, primarily the fact that it you can play Game Boy games, Game Boy Color games, and Game Boy Advance games pretty much just out of the box, and then you know you can get it um secondary adapters for like Sega and Atari and, you know, Neo Geo, all the other gaming handhelds that that are out there that, you know, we, we didn't see a lot of us in, in the United States necessarily, but especially being in, you know, the Midwest, you know, middle, literally middle of the country, you, you don't see some of those, those more specialty, like b- boutique uh, handhelds that, that you would see, um on on the coast at at least it that that's how i kind of perceive it um but i i think it would be really really cool to be able to access or have have a greater access to some of that stuff um so yeah in the the long run i would love to have an analog pocket plus it's it's got a pocket synthesizer (laughs) <laughs> That's actually what I was going to mention is that you and your you and your your chiptune music and your your synthesizer stuff that you do. I mean, that's definitely a big selling point. I mean, they have a huge like section of it talking about it anyway on their website though too, but the analog yeah. pocket, I mean, 
it seems like it really fills that niche area for retro gamers, though, because of the FPGA. And then you get these different uh, slot cards you could put in then to actually connect up to your original cartridges and such, and maybe even start to build out a library of stuff that you had never had as a kid but wanted. And now you can do it with something like this, especially the, I guess, the dock capability. But I got to tell you, like, I've got and I don't have an analog pocket, but I've got a Super Game Boy, which I got from you, with mm-hmm. Pokemon Blue plugged into it, going through a Super Nintendo like Retron console, plugged into a 1080p TV. Uh, uh, it's, um, I don't know how much more you can really do there. Like I know the analog pocket can be docked, and you can put it up to a TV VHDMI, but that's I don't need pixels this big though like up on the screen it's like it feels like it kind of defeats some of the purpose but anyway regardless of that though like analog has got a bunch of other retro consoles that they've put out though to still also fill that gap without necessarily having like uh cartridge adapters to put in to make things work like you've got a dedicated super nintendo you've got a dedicated nes you've got a Mm -hmm. um you've got one that's more dedicated to those um kind of like off-end consoles like uh, Turbo Graphics, Atari Lynx, um, uh, just the way out there ones that never made it into where we're at now. Um, right. But another one I want to make mention of, though, in the retro space that I found to be most interesting this year, and I almost might get it just for the sake of just having it, is the Playdate. Oh, I've wanted a play date so bad. And they're they're ordered out uh clear into the end of next year, if I'm not mistaken, still. Um yeah. and it it's been a pretty continuous thing. Uh that the play date um is actually put out by Teenage Engineering, um, who uh started by doing uh synthesizers, ironically enough. Um but it it kind of follows a lot of their their design aspect um and their their unique quality for innovation um the thing i love it about it the most though is the fact that there are there, there's a whole group of people that actually write games for it in aside from the fact that they they put out seasons of games uh continuously for it or they have so far um, and they they always uh, attempt to, you know, at least involve in some form or another the the wind up uh, wand on, on the side. So that that's really cool. Well, what I find funny, though, is that the company that made the Playdate, though, and it's it's just funny because of this exactly is the uh, uh, the developer here. Um. Playdate is made by a company known as Panic Inc. And Panic Inc. put out by far, and I love this because I swear to God, I'd love to have Preston here for this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Panic is responsible for Untitled Goose Game, Kyle. Really? I thought that was House House. They are the developer. So House House is the developer, but the publisher for it happens to be Panic. So you can at least attribute partial responsibility for by far our favorite game, especially to bother Preston with, uh, to the same company here who is also responsible for the play date too. Interesting. Yeah. So, Cause I, I want to say the, uh, the device is actually, uh, manufactured by teenage engineering. So it's, it was developed by panic and it was designed in collaboration with teenage engineering. Oh, uh, okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So but yeah, you you can yeah. see a lot of the subtle nuances from their their synthesizers and their their little boutique uh synths that all look like uh TI83s with really small screens. <laughs> exactly. But no, it's just it's like the idea of the play date though. Like I remember when this thing was first shown off and there was the crank on the side of the actual little handheld here too. And a lot of people thought that, you know, and myself included, that it's like, oh, this is gonna run on an internal battery that you actually have to charge and wind up <laughs> like on the side of it. But no, it turns out that it's actually part of the video game mechanics though too. Like I'm watching here on the play date website where it's showing the crank like going through and it's actually being used to to continue the narrative along in a game of some type. But as you wind it forward, you can actually make this character move, but then you can also wind it backwards to get the character to do something different. So it's just another part of the, the gameplay there to introduce yeah. just another small mechanic is all, but needless to say, like, yeah, it's, it doesn't play 
games in the sense of like what we would expect as like retro games. Like you're not going to have Metroid on this. You're not going to have Zelda on this. You're not going to play Pokemon on it. Although I'm sure someone's probably figured out how to load it. You're going to get things that are made by other people, by other companies, by other like just dev teams who make things that are similar to that stuff from back in the day, but, uh, you know, but aren't trying to strive to make, um, to make something at least in the long run that uh, is going to emulate these classic titles. You know, it's all about developing new things. And, and, you know, some of the, from what I understand, some of the games in in the seasons that have been released so far um, are kind of short, you know, you can beat them in like 20, 30 minutes, but uh, it's not necessarily about the fact it's, it's more of like a showcase for some of them of what the the actual console is capable of with the crank and you know the the controls that are available you know i i I feel like there there are a lot of developers that you know rely on the fact that consoles have you know four face buttons and four shoulder buttons and you know they, they have so much to work with and it 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 is kind of more more difficult to think about it if you only have you know maybe two shoulder buttons or god forbid you know two face buttons and a crank yeah two face buttons a directional pad and a crank yeah but even so it's like it still kind of fills that that retro gap even if you're not playing again anything that's emulated per se it does fill that gap and they have a game developer uh, SDK that you can download for your computer if you want to go that mm-hmm. route, or you can build the games right in the browser, you know, and even the analog pocket also has, I believe, the ability to have games developed for it too that aren't even just, uh, that aren't like, you know, games for a Super Nintendo or for uh, yeah, any of um, those other portable devices. Yeah, you can download, uh, essentially they'd be like 8-bit games that would would be like Game Boy or... um. I don't necessarily want to stretch it too far to say like um, uh, Game Gear games, but uh, for sure like Game Boy games. Hmm. Yeah. So in the rest of the retro space, I mean, we made mentions of the of some of these other devices that are uh, more so Android devices that are used more so for the emulation. Is there anything else particular you can think of in the retro space, though, that needs to be brought up here at this point because i think we actually did well, a pretty good job covering some of it in the last uh or the first half i of the think show. there's one one thing we haven't touched on and that's the big emergence and and, and we could touch on it real quick because yeah the, sure it's something that we were we're thinking about maybe attempting and it's the the emergence of you know the custom retro scene uh with with people taking like hacked Wii's and you know doing what what has been come to known as the uh, OMG WTF cut where you literally have to cut the main board to fit in either a Game Boy or a Switch like console um but essentially you're putting a hacked system that's all the original components um with resoldered wires in in a handheld deck and I I I don't know. I I think we're going to see a lot more as far as projects like that go. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, we're going to see more of that evolve as time goes on, because people have been trying to find ways to take these classic consoles and shove them into a handheld format. Like, we've seen not only the the Wii uh, that had the, the GameCube functionality built into it, you know, being cut down and made into a handheld, uh, but mm-hmm. we've seen the N64 turned into a handheld. I think... Um, you know, we've actually seen companies sell Super Nintendos that are handhelds too that can also then be plugged into your TV so you can play them up on the TV as well. Um, and, and we're, we're seeing, seeing a lot, lot more like kits, um, even now. You know, they they send you, um, the 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 actual just essentially the shell and the buttons, and sometimes you get the screen with it, and sometimes they tell you, you know, you have to buy, you know. Uh, a screen with this setup that has to be within these, you know, aspect ratios for it to work. Um, and you plug it in and it works and you, or you plug it in and it doesn't work. You know, it just depends right. on the kit you're buying. And the same thing goes for too, like even farther along in the modern scene, where if you want to get into it, you've got raspberry Pis 
and the mm-hmm. RetroPie OS that you can load up and get all the different emulators on there and then work to get your own ROMs, of course, um, to set up your own retro environment through, you know, whatever it is that the Raspberry Pi can support, which I think right now is up to at least Wii level graphics. So you can play things like Wii, PlayStation 2. Um, I don't know how Xbox is with emulation. I haven't seen an original Xbox emulator, but, you know, and then of course all your other retro consoles going back from that point. But but that's another one of those things that people can do if they so choose, and they have kits to be able to make your own setup as well. Even still, yeah, and I, I, I feel like the uh, Raspberry Pi when it, when it, you look at stuff like the uh, Iron Odin and you know the uh, Miu, um, they're super overlooked and they shouldn't be because they're so affordable and they're so much more customizable in comparison to to you know the other devices where you're locked down to their their uh version or their flavor of android os or you know whatever uh they might actually be running on on the system um as and you know even down to some of their emulators that you you may or may not be able to edit whereas you know if you go with the actual um raspberry pi unit you can download a vat just a plethora of different emulators or even just launchers that that'll launch you directly into different emulators and it'll have its own splash screen and everything yeah that's that's a big part of it though now i think we've kind of reached the point that we need to kind of talk about the writing on the wall here with one in particular, and it was talked about there in the intro as well, is the mm-hmm. current king of the handheld space, which happens to be Nintendo. And Nintendo has been in this spot for a very long time anyway, going back to the original Game Boy, Game Boy Color, then moving up to the, you know, I mean, if you want to count Game Boy Pocket in there as well too, but, you know, all the way from the original Game Boy up until now with its hybrid console, the Switch, where you can dock the console and then you can also take it with you wherever you want to go. I think we've actually hit one of these things that even though Nintendo continues to sell the Switch like crazy, they only did a slight hardware refresh last year, and given recent events with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, we may have finally hit peak capability on the Switch and now need to start kind of thinking about what is next. It's like, what is Nintendo going to do to be able to maintain that position or with all the other things we've talked about, um, at least especially in the space of things like the Steam Deck, like the other PC-based uh, gaming handhelds, um, mm-hmm. and even some of these ones that are your more mobile-derived uh, handhelds, like your, um, not necessarily the Logitech G Cloud per se, but I'm talking like using a backbone to play games on your uh, Android or iOS device. The Switch itself has been the dominant force in it, and a lot of these systems look exactly like a Switch, but it's obviously hit a point. And I want to get your take before I get into any of it, too, because I think we probably are going to hit some of the same points on what you think is going to happen with the Switch now. Like, is it true? Do you think we've hit the peak with it? Do you think we've hit that point where we need more than just a refresh of the screen? Like, we actually need new hardware? Or is there something else I'm missing? You know, what's your take on all of this? I do think so. Um, The unfortunate part is I think um, Nintendo did a similar thing to what happened with the Wii that what happened with the DS, uh, well, specifically the the 3DS XL um, and transitioning to the new 3DS XL. Uh, They've waited too long. And... In the long run, I think they are probably going to spend a lot of money on engineering costs and putting out a new console that, yeah, there, there's going to be a, a large audience that does buy it because it it's Nintendo and it's the new Switch. But um, as far as a console refresh, it it's too late at this point. I think they need to come out with something else. Um, and really and truly, I'm almost at the point where I feel like Zelda is like, the catalyst for that it's either it's almost always a zelda or a metroid game that seems to be the catalyst that it it seems like oh well there's a new system coming out here soon because they they released another zelda and 
you know that that that's kind of like they they've pushed the system to the the absolute limits they started with the at what they thought was going to be the absolute limits with when uh with breath of the wild and now they're they're ending with what they think are the absolute limits on the system with the new zelda game and i think yeah. they, they tried to push the limits with metroid and we saw that with the oled ironically enough um oh did we just yeah it just happened to launch with the uh oled so i i mean i think there's a lot of writing on the wall for nintendo especially when you 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 said it early on looking at violet and scarlet and the performance issues that they've had aside from you know possibly a rushed development cycle but all things aside it it does have uh performance issues on the console and it, it raises the question is it enough anymore i mean it they have the audience but nintendo's always been a fan of you know supporting past software previously who's to say they they couldn't come out with some sort of like something that bridges the gap um you know as far as a new handheld um slash dockable console um that that's the new midway between the uh original switch and the steam deck that see that that's exactly why I wanted you to start off here first, especially because I know you play plenty more Switch games than I do, but you and I have definitely been following the news with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which as of, as of right now, according to Metacritic, Pokemon Scarlet is tied uh, at a score of 73 with Pokemon uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, but Violet is sitting one point lower at 72, making Pokemon Violet the lowest rated uh, Pokemon game, at least mainline Pokemon game on Metacritic um, of, of all time, at least. And that's definitely concerning, especially because Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl were remasters and re-releases of the original DS games. Okay, So yeah. there was an expectation that, you know, not everybody was going to be excited to see those ones. But needless to say, that's kind of been Nintendo's thing anyway with uh, or Pokemon Company, you know, re-releasing these things. But Scarlet and Violet to be mainline entries and rating as low as they do means that there's obviously something else going on. Now, we've talked about it in the news before, too, that maybe it was a rush development cycle with not only working on uh, Scarlet and Violet, but also with, uh, in tandem, we had Pokemon Legends Arceus being worked on and releasing, mm-hmm. as well as Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl also being worked on and released uh, prior to Needless to say, it seems like that these performance issues that we've been we've been observing in the game, you know, as outside observers uh, from YouTube videos, from stuff on TikTok, things we've been reading articles on, a lot of that stuff should have been caught in QA, like no matter what, because we're seeing mm-hmm. more consistent things about these issues that are coming up that it's like, where was the actual thorough vetting of this game to make sure that it got a true seal of approval before being sent off or because of development crunch was it rushed now even with that part of it said though development hardware sometimes definitely runs much better than your standard production released hardware anyway because there's extra memory there for debug purposes there's extra um there's extra storage space sometimes the processor is just a bit better though too just again for those debug and development purposes it has that extra oomph to it maybe there was just enough available there that that's why it wasn't seen maybe they qa'd it and it's like we don't remember seeing any of these issues but now they're on develop on actual production hardware and it's like oh crap well what's the difference here oh well the qa system has more oomph to it here and that's where it kind of starts to dawn on them saying okay well the problem is not necessarily this it's it's uh, okay it's like well we messed up here in the qa part itself but we can show that we want to deliver a game like this which hasn't been done before the hardware is now officially holding us back we don't have the ability to do anything more because the hardware has finally hit has finally hit a point I mean, it's running an NVIDIA Tegra processor, which I remember when those processors were first announced. I don't think Tegra is even being made anymore for no. handheld devices. I think, if anything, Tegra is being used for like uh, infotainment systems in vehicles, uh, if that. Um, I still think there's still that battle with them, them and Qualcomm, though, on that front of it. Um, 
But the Tegra processor hasn't been in a handheld in some time except for the Switch. And even with the Switch Lite having come out and the OLED version, there was no hardware revision in the Switch Lite. The hardware revision in the OLED version was literally just the OLED screen. That's it. The the juggernaut well, and- is finally starting to feel the pain of 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 performance. The iteration of the Tegra processor that was in the, the Switch wasn't a new processor to begin with no, when it they put it in there. It, it was slightly dated to begin with. So now that it's been what going on, uh, what is it, six years now? Five years. It released in March of 2017. Still, going on five years, that's a much, much da- uh, dated processor now. Um, so I, I think we're, we're kind of past the point of console refresh i mean we we played it out with the nintendo ds uh family you know playing this this whole you know refresh it every two years and you know see what engineering can come up with and see what kind of iterations and um additions we can add to the system to squeeze the extra you know fifty dollars or whatever out of the consumer but is it going to work for nintendo going forward I, I don't know that it is. Not if they continue to put out games like Scarlet and Violet. I, I they're, they're just too many egregious bugs. And I think, you know, if if we see a Zelda that comes out like that, that, that could be pretty damning for, for Nintendo. But I think, really and truly, I, I think that the, the Zelda, for me anyway, signifies that, that something's in the water. Um, over at Nintendo, and that that this possibly might be getting close to the last hurrah for you know what what games we can expect out in the future. But the question is though, when it comes to a lot of the development cycles and such being built on this specific hardware and trying to support things for the future, because obviously Nintendo wants to support um, you know their existing Switch game lineup going into their future handset I or handheld. I believe that's what's been reiterated by them. Could they, in essence, actually redevelop things so that way these game cartridges are going to work on different hardware because they're not going to be able to secure new Tegra processors. Like, there's nothing new coming out of NVIDIA no. unless they sign some sort of agreement. I think what we're going to see is either that potential push into what... Valve is doing with the Steam Deck, and they're going to secure some sort of SOC from AMD, uh, just like the rest of the gaming world is, that will allow them those new capabilities. Or they could go the route of Qualcomm after seeing the success of what the Qualcomm uh, mobile processor has done for, like, say, the Oculus uh, Quest 2 and the Quest Pro. Um, They're really kind of backing themselves into a weird spot relying on this older hardware, and it's tough for them to go and develop some new things because their existing tool set relies on this ex- on this older technology. Well, and I, I think that do? you're 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 kind of saying it right there is the fact that you know it is much older hardware and the the tool sets are becoming dated. It it's going to be getting to a point where Nintendo won't necessarily be able to support their all these this vast amount of users that they have on the switch that they could potentially transition to another console. If they, if they make it backwards compatible to switch cartridges, because all of a sudden the switch cartridges aren't going to be compatible with that hardware anymore. It's just going to be too far ahead. Yeah, that's, that's the big part of it. Like for Nintendo to do something support wise to make that even potentially work i could imagine maybe like a chipset in the dock that would let you play at home or something but for new games i just don't know but yeah and i at that point would you be hindering a new console by by uh putting the addition of a uh, switch card slot in it yeah that's another good point though too you know the gap's getting too far out at this point you know with when you when you look at the scope of how quickly the uh, graphics market advanced in the last two years, especially you know going through what the the end of the twenty series through the thirty series all the way to the uh, forty series, like up the blink of an eye, it just it happened so incredibly fast that I mean within a year and a half time, 
it's almost like the 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 end of the twenty series that you know people were clamoring for 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 you know a long long time even close you know to the beginning of the thirty series cards that they're they're meaningless now. <laughs> In a manner of speaking, they are. No, you're not right. And I, I know we're we're comparing apples to oranges, being you know SOCs to to video cards, but are are we really? I mean, the the SOCs do have to advance too because they have to keep up with the tech of you know what's current. So they do. you get too far out, and it's just not going to be compatible. There, there's not going to be enough compatibility. I feel like. Well. Then here is really where the final question comes into play. You know, I mean, as a good wrap-up question here for this episode is how much time does Nintendo really have between now and its next generation hardware? Like, how soon could we actually see that next generation hardware? You think two years? I think it needs to be two years at this point. So you're talking like Um, 2024? Yeah, I I think we need to see... Potentially either the launch of the hardware at the end of 2024 or at least the announcement of new hardware at the beginning of 2024. So we better be seeing it in like 2025. I, I know that's a push and it's a stretch, but Nintendo has had to have had it in the works, you know, since at least midway through the, the OLED. Uh, I mean, people have been talking pro for a long time. Let's just scrap the whole pro idea. Let's talk about Switch 2. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's finally gotten to that point that I think we need to actually start seeing more hardware. Now, it's not to say, though, still that outside of what's going on with Scarlet and Violet, Nintendo still has a quality product that is playing games well and then branching into oh, yeah. the and then branching into the cloud environment by offering the 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 cloud version of a game you know like for a triple a title like you know the resident evil games were triple a ones and you know there's we talked about that rumor you know of a potential like seeing of call of duty on like the switch Mm -hmm. because of the microsoft activision blizzard acquisition and the, the 10 years of supporting call of duty on nintendo hardware um you know it's like that could be a cloud feature thing though too so it's like okay there are people who are still seeing value in it. Obviously, they're still selling these games like Matt, even though Violet and Scarlet are as low rated as they are. They still sold millions of copies of that game within the first couple of days. And mm-hmm. even the back catalog still of Switch titles is still so accessible. I mean, you got people who are still doing runs of Breath of the Wild because they just enjoyed it that much on the Switch. Or they're just still trying to break the game because there is so much in the game that can... that. As far as physics that people have haven't even discovered yet, agreed, exactly. So. so it's not to say that it's not a capable one, but its capabilities, especially as it relates to the broader handheld market and what its mainline gaming competitors are doing, such as Microsoft and Sony, it's got to really start stepping up here now. Otherwise, Nintendo's going to fall behind. Now we maybe we don't need to get to four K on any of this, but and- I don't know. You know, maybe maybe we're not being modest enough. I mean, Nintendo does cater to a different audience and True. really and truly there there is a crossover between the, the, the audiences, but Nintendo they they can choose to cater to a particular audience because of the the product that they've put out and for you know, they've the for how long they've put out that product. But I really do think that you know, going forward because of issues we're seeing now, um, it could be a potential uh, worrisome flag in the future that, that we need to, to look at. And Nintendo uh, needs to look at to say, okay, may- maybe it is time, guys. No, that's a very excellent point. Um, yeah, but it's not to harp on Nintendo here in any way, shape, or form. It's just our opinion on what's... Uh, what's happening in that space. But I think with that said, that is it talking about handhelds in 2022 with us, the NPCs. What do you think, Kyle? I think so. Well, with that confirmation said, thank you so much, everybody for tuning in to this week's NPCs discuss where we talked about handhelds here in 2022. 
If you like listening to us, of course, be sure to go check us out on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Our homepage is anchor.fm slash the-nbcs-podcast. You can find links to all the podcasts that we are supported on. We are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, you name it, we are probably on it. So if you like what you're listening to, be sure to check out our back catalog on any of your favorite podcast platforms and be sure to subscribe to us so any new episode immediately downloads to your device when it becomes available course be sure to follow us on social media and of course follow us on youtube as well at youtube.com slash the npcs podcast and uh make sure that you hit that notification bell too so when we go live with our weekly news roundup on uh friday nights at 8 p.m mountain time you will immediately know and you can join in on the conversation about that week's news thank you so much everybody for tuning in we will catch you all in the next episode laters